Acts chapter 16. My friend puts all of that stuff out on Facebook. I wish he wouldn't do that. And I was just thinking about that while I was reading that tonight. That's why I wanted that took care of this evening. We're going to be in Acts 16, and we're going to continue on down, uh, beginning in verse... uh, Let's start in verse 13 tonight. And we're we're going to look at much of this chapter, so let's just read a few verses to get us started. And uh, then we'll get in the word here, okay? Uh, And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women, which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household... She besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So we looked at this morning of all the things of how God led, through his spirit, led Paul to what we refer to as Europe now, and into Macedonia, and the opportunity to minister there. And as we might often say, If one got saved, it was worth it, right? Um, As we'll see throughout this chapter, it was more than one. Father, bless your word tonight. Minister to our hearts and let us be thankful for the opportunity you've given us to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've got a letter that um, I was going through some stuff. Christy uh, had me go through this tub of items, and it's things that I hung on to over the years. And uh, there's one particular item that I have here that's postmarked July 3rd, 1995. Um. I preached my very first sermon on June 18th, 1995. And this is a letter that was written to me by a young man that I had met in a youth camp. And it was the very first youth camp that I had ever been to in my life. I'd never been to one. And I was there as as a counselor and I got to know this young man. And uh, this was the day and time where we wrote letters, guys. We wrote letters back and forth. And uh, I'm very impressed at this young man's handwriting because none of us can handwrite anymore. And he wrote, he had wrote me um, before this, and I had sent him a letter back. And uh, I remember in that letter, I, I don't remember everything that I said, But I remember feeling the need to put in that letter a gospel track. And I asked this young fellow, I said, why don't you read this and tell me what you think about it, okay? And so he wrote me me back. This is the second letter that he had written me. 
And there was a lot of things said. I'm going to call this young man Jamie, all right? Brother Ricky, hey, what's happening up there? Nothing much here. Just thought I'd write you back. I, uh, so here it is. Well, you know how I was telling you over the other days that we were having a revival this week. Well, it was great. Let me tell you all about it. Monday night, Brother Danny, my pastor, he preached on the first love. He was saying why we shouldn't leave our first love. It says in Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus will never ever leave thee nor forsake thee. Sometimes I don't understand why we leave Jesus. Would you tell me? Tuesday night, Brother Bill preached on victory. We need, as Christians, victory in all of our lives. We've already won through Jesus. I don't know why some of us don't have victory. Let me tell you, I got victory when I got saved. Wednesday night, Brother Bill preached on hell. It is real. I'm so glad I don't have to go there even though I deserve it. Aren't you glad you're not going? Duh, he says. I hoped and prayed that someone would get saved, but they didn't. I... I hope they won't put him off to the side and just keep on living life. There's a young boy, 15 years old. He isn't saved. Well, that's what I heard from Brother Danny. Will you, will you and others, I am too, pray for this young man? His name is Jeff. Thursday night, Brother Bradley preached on foundations. The foundations of the church, home, government, and school have been torn down. You know that's the truth. Friday night, Brother Billy preached. The whole week was great. Will you remember Jeff in your prayers, and when you go back to church, mention this as your prayer request? Okay. Remember me in prayer. I'll remember you in prayer too. Write this down somewhere. Jamie got saved June the 21st, 1995. Keep in touch. Love in Christ. P.S. Tell me, tell me about more church services and how they're going. Also, send me some more tracks so that I can give them out. I'm so glad, Brother Ricky, that you sent that gospel track to me. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for Jesus and that track, I probably would have never gotten saved. God had used that gospel track to reveal some things in his heart that he thought he had settled and he realized he did not. And he read a clear presentation of the gospel and that young fella got saved. I just realized that on that date, five years later, my oldest nephew was born. He's now, what, 22 years old? I wasn't, when I, when I had reached out to him, I had never preached before. I was just a Christian wanting to serve the Lord. At that time, Gil, I didn't even know what the call to preach was. I just liked telling people about Jesus. And I had never before stood up and gave a sermon. I take that back. I did speak to some teens about some things in February of that year. But on 
that particular, when, when I preached my first message, I was just a young man in the church and my pastor saw some things in me and he asked me to preach as one of these sons of to some of the fathers that were in the church. And so I just, I preached that morning the very first time. But I remember, I remember writing this young guy, this young boy, teenager, and I remember just being impressed. Put that gospel track in that envelope and see what God might do with it. He says he's saved. Maybe he is, and maybe this will encourage him to tell somebody else about Jesus. But what I learned from that is that it is an exciting thing to let God lead you in your life. I will say that again. It is an exciting thing to let God lead you in life. Because you and I don't always know the answers. And we may think spiritually that we know what's going on. But if the Holy Spirit urges us to follow him, I want to encourage you tonight, just follow him. You don't know where it'll go. You don't know what God might do with it. But if he's leading you to do it, just obey him and see what God might do. I mean, at the very least, you're just going to encourage somebody else, right? And just trust the Lord with it. I know that you are familiar with Acts chapter 16. I uh, briefly went through some things when we were uh, looking earlier through the book of Acts. And so I'm not going to preach a deep message on every particular thing here. But to me, this is extremely exciting chapter. And it encourages us as believers to just look at the opportunity that God places before us. And as we looked at this morning, to be sensitive to the Lord's leading in our life. And I'm going to tell you something. It is exciting. Teenage guys. It is an exciting life to follow God. It is, listen, listen. Christian, just coming to church and, and hearing another Bible lesson or another sermon, I get it. You don't need another lecture. You don't need another sermon about something you've already heard before. You already know this, and if you stood up, you could testify of what it's about. It's exciting in your Christian life to let God lead you and to listen to the Holy Spirit giving direction. So before I get into all of this tonight, let me, let me highlight what I close with this morning. How to recognize the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Number one, be familiar with the Word of God. Get in the Bible and know what the Bible has to say. And... If you want to be in the will of God, you want to be used of God, know what God has to say about things. Continually be in prayer. Ask the Lord to lead you every step of the way. Don't, don't, don't narrow your prayer life to only times when you are in great need. Like you need, you need to pass this test. Or you need to get your car out of the ditch, Okay. Don't narrow your prayer life to only when you're in trouble. 
learn to pray for God to help and provide and the lead throughout your day. Then commit yourself to obeying in the inner man to, to what you already know to be the will of God. Present your body a living sacrifice. God, here I am, and I'm going to be found doing what I know you want me to do. And help me, Father, to do that. Then don't make light of sin, because your thoughts are who you are. And if your mind and your heart is consumed with getting away with something or living in sin or doing something contrary to what you know is the will of God, your thoughts will consume you, and that is what it will produce in your life. Confess your sin. Whosoever covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And then yield to the Lord's leading in your life. Always be yielding. So when they get here to the Philippi, which is an interesting place, they, they get to this part of the world. It's in the Greek part of the world. It is a Roman colony. It was founded by uh, Philip II of Macedon. He, is the, uh, father, he was the father of Alexander the Great. And uh, there was, Philippi is best known for uh, Mark Antony and uh, Octavia and uh, their battle with uh, Julius Caesar's uh, assassinators, uh, Brutus and um, Cassius. It's best known in history for those things. And as I mentioned to you earlier, Paul had traveled throughout Galatia, and this is his second missionary journey. And he wanted to go north over to Asia Minor, and God says not, God forbid him to go there. And then he, he wanted to go up to Bithynia and Mycenae, and God said no. And he continued over to the Aegean Sea, and he got to Troas. And uh, the Lord gave him a vision, and he saw a need over in Macedonia. And the gospel had never been there before. And so the four of them, uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they loaded up on ship. They traveled up to uh, Samothracia. And uh, they landed in the port city of Macedonia, Neapolis. And then they made the eight-mile journey over to Philippi. And so they were there. And this is a Roman place. This is a Gentile place. And they're carrying the gospel to the Gentiles, to the uttermost part of the world. And evidently, there was not a Jewish synagogue. Because every time Paul went to a place, he, he went into the Jewish synagogue. And there he began to tell people about Jesus. But he doesn't do that here. And there were certain rules that were in place traditionally. That if there wasn't so many men, they didn't have a Jewish synagogue. And that people met in the open air someplace. And usually it was by a river. And so Paul would have known this, and so he and his, his team, they go down to the river, and uh, there they find a prayer meeting in verse 13. And they sat down, and it was a group of women, it was all women who were there. And they began, they had to have begun telling them about Jesus Christ. And of course, the first woman that we're introduced here is a woman named Lydia, a seller of purple. And she's of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God and heard us. She worshiped the Lord. But there was things that she didn't know about God and didn't, she certainly didn't know about Jesus Christ. 
and the death and the burial and the resurrection. She had never heard the gospel. But I want you to see in verse 14, in the middle of the verse, that the Lord opened her heart, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. It is exciting in the Christian life to be looking for an opportunity, an open door, that we might share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Can I tell you this? We don't have to go door to door if we are always busy looking for someone who needs to hear about the gospel. And so they, they show up and they're at this prayer meeting and there's these ladies here who worship the same God that they worship. They're just not saved, Scholar. They don't know Jesus Christ. And so God opened up an opportunity and a door was opened that Paul might be able to talk to them and share with them Jesus. And I don't know his message and how detail he went into it, but I know this, God opened up her heart. And what we all realize is this, if God's not opening people's hearts, they're never going to get saved. But they're never going to, they're never going to get saved if we're not willing to share the message. And how many times, Hannah, how many times do we just decide not to share the message? You don't know what God's doing. I mean, I didn't know what was going on in that young fellow's life. Just give, him the, just give him a gospel track. And if he does nothing else with it, he can give it to somebody else, right? Encourage him to give it to somebody else. You don't know who's on the other side of that door. You don't know who is at the cash register or at the gas pump or what your coworker is, is going through. You're just simply... Following the Holy Spirit, Ricky, you're following the Holy Spirit and looking and see if God might open a door, right? I can promise you this, when I go fishing, I don't catch a fish with every cast. I don't catch fish with most casts. But I'm never going to catch fish if I always leave the bait in the boat, right? You just got to keep putting it out there. That looks like a good spot. Just keep putting it out there. And see what might bite. See who might need it. Well, Lydia, she wanted it. The Lord opened her heart. And you see in verse 15, not only did she get saved, but she followed the Lord in believer's baptism. And also says her household did the same. My goodness, not only did she get saved, but her household. And I don't know who her household is. I don't know if it's her husband and her children or if it's her, her in-laws or if it's just servants that she may have. I, I have her employees because she is, a, she is obviously a businesswoman, a wealthy businesswoman because she sells purple and she does very well. And, and, and her, but her, her whole household gets saved. And she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. People will never get saved if we never look for an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them. All right? That's the open door. And you have to follow the Holy Spirit's urging in your life. And I, I'm saying this is important because most of us go through our day-to-day -day life and we never even think about it. We never even think about sharing the gospel or telling people about Jesus, or inviting them to a church service where they can hear the gospel. Be sensitive to the Lord's leading, and let God give you a story. God just moved in my heart, and I told this person about Jesus, and that person got saved. I would love it if our entire church stood up and gave a testimony like that, right? Amen. Secondly, 
there was an open door to address the spiritual need. Look in verse 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. I'm sure you remember when I, when I, when I portrayed what she probably sounded like, and I'm not going to do that again tonight. But she was a demon-possessed woman. She did not say it as calmly as I just said. And the, and the and reality is she's actually delivering the truth. She is presenting the truth. These men are the servants of the Most High God. These men were showing the way of salvation. But she did it many days. And she didn't do it in a calm manner because you see in verse 18, Paul finally got tired of it. And being grieved, he turned and said to the spirit, not to the woman, but the spirit that possessed her, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, careful research of this woman's spiritual condition is that she had a Pythian spirit or a spirit of python. And according to Greek mythology, python was a snake that guarded the center of the earth and was eventually killed by the god Apollo. And this word python later came to mean a demon-possessed person through whom python spoke. And... The, the, the demons gave her this ability, and she was a slave, she had masters, and she, was, she answered to these men, and she was profitable to these individuals. She was able to uh, bring them much money, and one thing is for sure, people will let you tell others about Jesus Christ, but if you start affecting their pockets, they've had enough, right? Right? And, uh, but, but Paul addresses this issue, and she commands in the name of Jesus Christ for this spirit to come out of her, and he obeyed and came out the same hour. Paul saw an open door here that addressed a spiritual need. And our hope is, and we assume, that this woman also got saved. Then you see in verse 19, you see a closed door filled with suffering. We talk a lot about open doors, but now we see trouble come in verse 19. Read with me. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace, some of the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. I want you to notice in the middle of that verse, these men being Jews... That was an anti-Semitic culture. You could call it racism way back then. They recognized who these guys were. Luke, they say, is a Gentile. Timothy was half Gentile, half Jew. For some, uh, perhaps that is the reason they let them go. But Paul and Silas were obvious Jews, and so they caught them and held them captive, and they accused them in verse 21 that they teach customs which are not lawful for us. To receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. To me, that would be a closed door. God shut me down. And he put me in jail. 
Larry Colt would see that as an open door because it's an opportunity to start a jail ministry, right? Depends on how you look at it. But there's an opportunity there. Now, nobody would go through life and say, man, I'm so, I, I, I hope today that I'm going to end up in jail because of my faith. I hope today that I'm going to be bloody and I'm going to be beaten for my faith. I don't think anybody wishes that upon themselves. But I want you to see how they handle it in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I want you to remember this thought right here. We can choose to draw attention to ourselves through our suffering, or we can draw attention to God through our faithfulness. I think that's an important statement. I'll say it again. We can choose to draw attention to ourselves through our suffering. Or we can draw attention to God through our faithfulness. These men did not take their little tin cup and sing the old, the old song. of how much trouble that they were in. They sang praises unto the Lord, and they began to pray. They began to tell people, through their testimony, God is still good. Adam, God is always good. I don't, I don't know if you are listening to me tonight. I feel like I got a lot of people just staring at me tonight. God is always good. Now we can enjoy this or we can suffer through it. But God is always good. And sometimes we're going to we're going to go through some suffering. And we're going to have some hard times. And we can magnify our grief. Or we can testify God is always good. And this is the reason. If you want pity, you'll get pity. And everybody will come to Zach and will say, man, I'm so sorry. I'm praying for you. I love you. I know you're hurting. I know how difficult it is. And I believe we should do that. If that's what you want, that's what you'll get. But people are watching you and listening to you. And I'm not talking about saved people here. I'm talking about people who are prisoner to their sin. I'm talking about people who are in bondage and captive. And they're sitting over there in their prison cell. And they're watching someone who just got beat... For what? Helping a, helping a woman lose her demon possession? Helping someone to be in the right mind for once in their life? To someone who's, who is now free? That's what they're getting, that's what they're suffering for. And they could say, it's unfair. Life is unfair. God is unfair. 
I'm serving the Lord and this is where it gets me? We could be that way. Or we could magnify the Lord. And we say, it was worth every stripe on my back to see that woman get saved. It was worth everything that I went through for Lydia to come to Christ. It was worth everything that I went through to see her family know Jesus and get baptized. If I had to do it all over again, I'd come right back to this city to make an eternal impact for Jesus Christ. They began to sing. And they began to pray. And they didn't do it silently. They didn't do it in their misery. They didn't, I don't imagine they did it with their head held down. They did it in a way that the prisoners heard them and watched them. And it got their attention. So that when God moves in the next verse, they don't run off and leave. Because they recognize this. Those two men have something that they need. And the last thing they want to do is run away from it. They're drawn to it. So, a door closes, it seems. I don't think they were put in a jail cell like we're in, but they were in the, like, like hopefully we're not in, but we could go in. But they're put in the, in the middle there. And they're locked up and they have these shackles on. And the door seems to be closed and they're now done. But God uses their testimony because they're more interested in, in bringing glory to the Lord and honoring the Lord. And they're following the Holy Spirit with their life. They're filled with the Spirit, not filled with their flesh. And they're magnifying Christ. And at that moment... Read with me in verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the earth were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. I, I, read, I read of a preacher who was just, he just got through reading that verse and he was a pastor of a church in Chicago. And when he finished reading that verse, a huge chunk of ice broke off from the steeple and it hit the roof and it shook the entire building. And he said, thank you, God, for the sound effects. I'll never read that again and not think about that. Suddenly, this great earthquake took place. And it opened the doors. You see that? The doors were open. And everyone's bands were loosed. I mean, they are, they are free to go. And the keeper of the prison, in verse 27, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. I remember preaching this passage on a Mother's Day. And I didn't preach a typical Mother's Day message. I preached the gospel out of Acts chapter 16. And I remember having a visitor there in the church and a long-haired guy and, and it was the first time that he was there and I remember that his wife had prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And he agreed to go to church with her on Mother's Day Sunday and he tried to back out of it on Saturday. 
And on Sunday, she says, nope, you said you would do it. This is all I wanted. I want you to go. And I remember preaching this message on that particular Sunday. And I remember giving the invitation, and that guy looked me in the eye. And as soon as the invitation was over, he shot out the back door. And I remember going out the back door. I remember, or the front door, I guess. I remember going out that door. And I remember looking at him sitting in his car and he, he looked up at me and we made eye contact and he opened up that car and he came right back to me and he said, preacher, I've had enough, i got to get saved. I remember that. And I remember him sitting down with me and he said, did my wife tell you what happened to me this week? I said, what happened to you this week? He says, I was at work and my boss tried to kill himself. And he says, you're reading that passage, and there was that jailer. He was ready to kill himself. And he said, I see this need in my life. I'm like that jailer. I've got all these problems in my life. I've got all kinds of troubles. And I go to work day after day, and it's just, it's just routine, and it's burden, and I'm overwhelmed by it all. And he says, if Jesus Christ can help me, I want to be rid of this bondage. And that day he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and his life completely changed. And I remember talking to God before I preached, right before I went in that auditorium, God, why am I preaching this message on Mother's Day? And you follow the Holy Spirit and God can do with it however God wants to do with it. And it makes life exciting. It makes, serve, it makes life exciting when you can see what God might do with whatever, however he's leading you. This jailer was ready to kill himself. He thought everyone had escaped. He drew out his sword. He would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. Verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm. We're all here. And he called for a light. I got a message on verse 29 saying, did you ask for a light? I use it. I use it when I see people who are smoking cigarettes. I just walk up and say, hey, do you got a light? And they pull out their light and I said, I'm not talking about that light. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. He called for a light and sprang in and he came trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I imagine Paul at that moment said, that's why we're here. That's why we're in this jail cell. That's why we're suffering. Because if I wasn't suffering at this moment, I couldn't help this guy. This guy may have killed himself tonight if I wasn't here. But I'm here and I've gone through the trial and the suffering because God wanted me to minister to that guy right there. That's why I'm here. Makes life exciting, I'm telling you. Well, Paul answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. I always picture it like this. I picture... I picture me taking Paul back to my home. And I picture me sitting my wife down and my five children and say, tell us, I want you to tell them what you just told me. Tell us all about Jesus Christ. 
and my wife gets saved, and my oldest gets saved, and my next gets saved, and my twins get saved, and my little girl gets saved. When just a few hours ago, I was ready to end my life. You never know, Sam. You never know what the people are going through when you enter their house for a pest control appointment. You never know what they're going through. And it may be that God puts you there on that day and you're listening and you're following and God says, hey, talk to them about me. Ask them how you can pray. Let's wrap up. He took them, verse 33, the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he sat meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. That's my prayer for my family. I'm thankful that it is now that prayer has been answered. But when you sat down at the table and you're all sitting together and you got meat on the table and everybody in your home knows the Lord, that's reason to rejoice. And you can say God is good all the time, all the time. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, I mean, they were just there long enough to reach this jailer and his family. That's why they were there. Now they're being told to be let go. In verse 36, the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. And Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. That's just Paul for you right there. And the sergeants told these words and the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans, and they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. Please get out of this city. Please leave. And when they went out, verse 40, out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. But I want to stop right here. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall when they went back to Lydia's house. And had a seat. And, and Lydia and her household is there. And Timothy is there. And Luke is there. And Silas is there with Paul. And I imagine the jailer is there with his family. And I imagine this former demon-possessed girl is there. And they're sitting... That's, that's some kind of church right there, isn't it? Let's see, you got a rich businesswoman. you got a, demon, a formerly demon-possessed woman you got a guy who's going to kill himself in the church and his whole family got saved and Lydia's family got saved. I mean, maybe there's some ex-convicts that they came out of jail with Paul and they're there. That's, that's, a church in, that's a church in itself, right? And they're sitting there and I imagine they're, 
Paul, tell us what happened. Let us see your stripes, Paul. Tell us what you experienced. Tell us how it felt. Were you afraid? Were you scared? Paul could just say, I was there because that's where the Lord wanted me to be at the time. And if he would have asked me before, I would have said, no, I'm going to go elsewhere. But he didn't ask for my permission. And he didn't let me know before. And he let me walk through that valley. And he let me hurt. Because he had somebody there that God was ready to open the door and tell about Jesus. Ronnie Ferguson, there is no greater life than being faithful and serving the Lord. That is an adventure worth living. I'm trying tonight the very best that I can to encourage you. Don't minimize life by just doing a job, paying the bills, raising your children, and just that's what life is. Live the adventure. Let God lead you. Listen to him. Listen to that still small voice. Listen to that God put you on my heart moment. Look for the opportunity because there is a story waiting to happen. There is an opportunity that God is leading you to. Let us be faithful to answer the call. Bow our heads tonight. Pianist plays.